Swameva Mata Chapita Swameva Swameva Bandhu Chasakha Swameva Swameva Vidyadarabhinam Swameva Swameva Saravam Mamadeva Deva I bow to God in all his forms, including your forms. God is everywhere. God is in you. And don't think that you are just the little ego. You are a manifestation of that infinite one. The more we can live in that thought, the more blissful we feel. You know, it's a strange thing, but because the ego wants to be flattered, the ego wants to be pleased. What it's all about is understanding not that you have to suppress the ego, but that you have to expand it to infinity. The infinite self is your true self. And the amazing thing is that when you leave your little ego behind and merge in the infinite, you don't even, you don't lose anything. You don't even lose that little self-consciousness because there is always, my guru said, the memory of having been you through many incarnations. And that memory can always be revived consciously, especially by devotees who will call to you and ask you to come. Let me read to you a little bit on this subject. It's a fascinating one. It's from my guru's book, Conversations with Yogananda. Very few saints, even the Master once told me, have attained final liberation. I exclaimed in dismay, what about all those saints in the autobiography? Are all of them dead and gone with no one to take their place? In Autobiography of a Yogi, Paramahansa Yogananda makes it clear that final liberation is usually attained from higher astral planes, not from this material one. It seemed to me at the time, however, that that goal must be virtually impossible of attainment. Very few even of those saints, he replied, were fully liberated. I named a few of them specifically from his book. I used to ask him a lot of questions. In each case, his reply was, no. At last he said, only Babaji, Lahiri Mahashai, Swami Sri and two of Lahiri Mahashai's disciples, Swami Paranabhananda, the saint with two bodies, as he's described in the autobiography, and Ram Gopal Murtumdar, the sleepless saint. On the occasion I quote here, he didn't name himself, at other times, however, he told us he had come into this body fully liberated. In fact, he said, I uh, found God, I was liberated many lifetimes ago. No one dwells in this body but God. Why can't a master simply dissolve all his karma, I asked, the moment he realizes his oneness with God? Well, in that state, you don't really care. You see all this as a dream. You may even go on for incarnations that way, returning to earth to help free your disciples. Masters at that level of development may even keep a little bit of karma deliberately as a means of holding them down to this plane for that higher purpose for a, for a while. Once you've attained the highest state, nirvikalpa samadhi, there is no ego consciousness left. You are essentially free anyway. 
What is it, Master, I ask, that draws a soul back to earth after he has attained final liberation? He replied, he still keeps the desireless desire to help others. In his correspondence course lessons, he explains the difference between the rebirth of a fully liberated soul and that of a master who has a little karma of his own remaining to be worked out. The latter, after he attains full liberation, becomes a, quote, an ascended master. If, as rarely happens, he returns to earth, it is as a full manifestation of God, an avatar, with divine power to shower blessings, generally, on all mankind. Those who still have some past karma of their own to work out return primarily to help their own disciples. These saints, called jivan muktas, or freed while living, are able to uplift a few but cannot carry innumerable disciples to God. Those, on the other hand, who return without any karma of their own, having become param muktas, fully liberated in a former life, come as avatars. Whoever comes to them for help can be saved, though his salvation is not necessarily immediate. I asked the master once, are you an avatar? It would take such a one, he replied quietly, to bring a mission of this importance. When his mother took him, while he was a baby, to be blessed by his guru's guru, Lahiri Mohashai, yoga avatar or incarnation of yoga, as Paramahansa Yogananda called him. That great master said to her, Little mother, thy son will be a yogi. As a spiritual engine, he will carry many souls to God's kingdom. Those words could not have been spoken by a lesser master. They could only have been spoken of an avatar. And so we see that the goal of life is that final liberation. But you know it's not as if you were entering a desert and you had to go all the way across a Sahara, let's say, or a, a vast sandy waste until finally you reach the uh, river uh, of uh, divine enlightenment. No, it's not like that. It's that the grand, the, the country, everything becomes greener and more beautiful. Life becomes much more beautiful when you meditate. As my guru said, the senses become enlightened, enlivened. Colors become more intense. Sounds become more beautiful. All the senses are, everything is more enjoyable. You notice most people, as Jesus Christ put it, let the, let the dead bury their dead. Most, most people are dead spiritually. And you look in their eyes and you see they're just sort of lumps of meat there for eyes. They can see, but there's no energy there. There's no life there. There's no joy there. The goal of life is not something that you can't, you have to go through suffering when you talk about all the tests and trials and everything that a devotee has to go through. Don't think he suffers. It becomes still more and more enjoyable. I was talking about when I, the uh, people were trying to destroy me in court and everything. I felt joy. It's not as if uh, some people uh, were crying for my suffering. I wasn't suffering. I was perfectly blissful, and I really felt it from my heart, not just sort of, all right, God, if you want to take it. No, I just said, nobody can take away from me the only thing that matters to me, and that is my love for God.
the more you love God deeply and the more you give everything to him, it's not as if having given it all up, you've got nothing and you're stripped like a beggar. You know, there's that song, uh, Door of My Heart, um, Open I keep, Wide I Keep for Thee. And it's a Bengali song in which there is one stanza that my guru did not translate. It is. It starts out, Ami Bikiri, I'm a beggar. My guru said, he didn't use that. He didn't translate that song, that verse, because he said, don't be a beggar before God. You're a child of the infinite. You're a prince, a princess, a queen, a king. You don't have to think of yourself as weak and helpless and unassisted. He's there and you're a very prince of the universe. Keep that thought in mind, because if you do, you will find that the mistakes that you have made, and as Sri Yukteswar said, the past lives of all men, he meant all masters, are dark with many shames. Don't allow those shames to burden your consciousness. Just say, God, you act through me. You know, my guru said something quite astonishing one time. He said, give not only the good that you do to God, but give the bad also. He likes that. In other words, he likes it when you make him responsible for them. You can think, well, that's not very gracious to think that God was the one who cheated my neighbor or my customer. He did it through you. He's playing through you. And uh, why did God create this universe? The scriptures say it was that he might enjoy himself through many. Now, surely he can't enjoy himself through people's suffering. I don't believe that. He enjoys himself in this way, that he's giving each person a chance, and it may take a long, long time, but a chance to reach the understanding that he is joy. And that long adventure, you know, if you read a novel, and the hero, let us say, is born into a wealthy home and gets a good job with the best company because of his connections, and he quickly is given a presidency vice presidency, and he marries the boss's daughter, and everything is easy and wonderful. And um, you close the novel long before it's ended and said, well, say, what a bore. But if the hero is born on the wrong side of the tracks, as we say in America, if he's born poor, if he has to struggle, finally he gets this job, and the boss notices that he's a good worker and intelligent, and he comes up in the company and finally he's able to marry the boss's daughter and become the vice president and all these things. And you close the book and you say, oh, what a nice story. Well, the same thing, but you have to go through all these difficulties and then it becomes more fun, more beautiful. One time, James Collar, um, a disciple of the master, said that, uh, sir, I have such a longing for God. Why doesn't he come to me? Master smiled blissfully. He said, that's what makes it all the sweeter when he does come. The pain of longing, the pang of striving for it, when it comes, it's so wonderful. And so God, in every one of us, goes through this long adventure. And it's a marvelous story. No novel could begin to equal it. But through all these people, they may be gundas, they may be Tuggies, they may be mafiosi and all sorts of people. But finally, they, over many mistakes, many incarnations, they realize, well, that didn't make me happy. 
maybe if I try this, maybe if I try that, bit by bit they come to the point where they realize, well, every time I give away, I'm happier. Every time I understand what I'm looking for is inside, I'm happier. Bit by bit they begin to understand that the source of it all, the secret of it all, is that happiness is not outside, that one person can enjoy something outside and another person will hate that very thing. It isn't the thing that makes you happy. Nothing in this world makes you happy unless you make yourself happy. That is to say, when you understand that you are making yourself happy when you have those great fulfillments, when you get that big job that you wanted, all these things are just ideas in your own mind that you've finally fulfilled and then you are happy. It's in your own mind. Bit by bit, you come to understand, wait a minute, it's here already. What am I looking for outside for? And then, bit by bit, you come to understand that he is doing it all through me. And you see, God is, God is enjoying himself through many because he's wanting through many to come to that final realization which comes to everybody in this world sooner or later. And it looks like very later sometimes because we can take a long time just wandering in delusion. But the time comes when finally you realize, that's what I am. Now, mind you, you realize that, yes, this house didn't mean anything. This fame and wealth and everything didn't mean anything. Everything is taken away from you because you've given it up. But there comes the thought that, and this comes to everybody too, you know? You know a bird? It can be in a cage for 20 years. You open the gate of the cage, it's afraid to come out. It's used to its little cage. And so it is that you, in your meditation, suddenly find yourself breathless and you think, what's happened? Where's my body? And so you come back to it again and bit by bit you finally, like the little bird, it goes out and it finds that nothing is attacking it and it flaps its wings a little bit and finally says, well, let me try it. And so it flies and suddenly it finds it can fly. And so the soul coming out of the body thinks at first it's frightened, then bit by bit it sounds, well, it feels pretty natural. And finally you enter into the infinite. But you never lose. And this is the beautiful thing. You never lose your consciousness of having been that. God has become Ruth or Dawn or Prabhat or whatever. Hey, God has become all these different forms. There's a horrible story in the, in the Bhagavatam. I hope it's not true. I don't like to think it's true. Krishna is saying to Uddhava, look at that beetle there. He was Krishna at one time. Not Krishna, he was Indira at one time. King of the gods and still you can fall. You can fall. I don't like to believe that story. I think sometimes, I hope, that the Shastras sometimes exaggerate to make a point, but the point is still well taken. No matter how high you rise, you can fall until you reach Nirvikalpa Samadhi, when you overcome the ego and know that God is the one doing everything. Still, in that final state, you never lose that consciousness of your own personality. This is the incredible thing about this universe, that God has become everything. He didn't create the way a carpenter creates from outside in. He creates from inside out. He is every atom. He is every ego. And the wonderful thing is that 
Although people are sort of similar to each other, they imitate each other, but no two saints are alike. People make the mistake of saying, well, why isn't this one like that one? Why should they be? God is unique in every one. No one else will be like you. He has his own song to sing through you. And it will be unique in all eternity, in all this vast universe. So please, remember God. This is a beautiful chant that my guru said, sang. It was given to him by St. Francis. God, God, God. From the depths of slumber as I ascend The spiral stairways of wakefulness I will whisper, whisper God, God, God Thou art the food and when I break my fast of nightly separation from thee. I will taste thee and mentally say, God, God, God. No matter where I go, the spotlight of my mind will ever keep turning on thee. And in the battle din of activity, my silent war cry will be, God, God, God. When boisterous storms of trial shriek, and when worries howl at me, I will drown their noises loudly chanting, God, God, God. When my mind weaves dreams, dreams, with threads of memories, on that magic cloth will I emboss God, God, God. Every night in time of deepest sleep, when my peace dreams and calls joy, joy, my joy comes singing evermore. God, God, God. In waking, eating, working, dreaming, sleeping, serving, meditating, chanting, divinely loving, my soul will constantly hum, unheard by any God.